You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Take one. Knock, knock. Good ask. Receiving a name, and we can't believe you thought I'm talking podcast. podcast. We're so glad you're listening to it. We would never listen to it. I don't even want to listen to it to edit it. I don't even want to wake up in the morning. Stephen and Dana Amber in the room. Stephen Ferrizy. Yes. I've heard that you've never seen or know much about how to succeed in business without really trying the musical. This is true. Um, I I was certainly living here when the revival happened at the Hirschfeld, uh, Uh pre-Kinky Boots. Big ol' revival with Daniel Radcliffe. Huge, huge. America's, uh, the world's very own Harry Potter. I, I don't know why I didn't get there. I don't know if... I, I don't know. I don't know. But it it didn't happen. Well, let's be let's be clear. We love a free ticket. We love a free ticket. <laughs> but like let's also be clear. 2011, it was here 2011. I may have still been like in college and had plenty of like student rush or student ticket sure, things sure, available sure. to me. I, I graduated 2011, but I feel like I could have, you know, made that work for myself. And I just didn't. Maybe I was scrambling, trying to figure out what to do now. There was a Broadway revival. Well, first of all, it opened on Broadway in 1961. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is, it's old. It, which is my jam. Like, I love a 60s musical. Yeah. Um, there was a Broadway revival in 1995, starring Matthew Broderick that I, and Megan that's, Mullally. That's the one I know anything about. I remember that album with its green cover and like the build, yes. like the letters were buildings and dollar signs, and it looked fun. And I remember that Tony performance, Megan Mullally singing Paris Original, and I remember digging that song and digging her performance from that I'm looking I'm just looking at a musical number list a run of show to see if there are other songs I know that I don't realize are from this Brotherhood of Man I couldn't sing it for you but I didn't know that that was 
her to succeed. There is a great, and it's on YouTube, but there's a great performance from the Tonys that they did mm-hmm. of Brotherhood of Man with Daniel Radcliffe and John Larroquette, and also featuring uh, like a Maria Bamford looking legit soprano voice, Ellen Kelly being thrown around. It's a great show-stopping, big, old Broadway dance number. Yes, I'm remembering it's it now. It's great. Yeah, where you're like, ah, Harry Potter can do musical theater. Yes, you pro. You pro. You pro. You pro. But Megan Mullally, like, I I got into her as a musical theater performer, and this is in, in the time of Napster and LimeWire, when you're downloading... When you're downloading music, mm-hmm. I was like, what else has Megan Mullally done? And I saw that she was in a revival of this. And I downloaded Paris Original and Happy to Keep His Dinner Warm and I Believe in You. So I that was my introduction. And I definitely saw the revival with Daniel Radcliffe and really enjoyed it. Yes. Um, I'm going to be watching the film from 1967 uh, featuring Robert Morse, who did it on Broadway. So that at least feels genuine. Like, no, I didn't see Funny Girl on Broadway, but at least I saw Barbara do Fanny in that movie. I think this will be really fun. You know what? I'm just trying to see. It received positive reviews and currently holds an 89% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I feel it's like you know, a good movie adaptation. I would love to discuss that with somebody who knows the show better and can maybe vouch for some of the differences. But um, I feel okay watching the movie musical on this one as opposed to something like Sweeney Todd, which we did a couple of weeks ago. Well, and there's also, you know, Spotify. You can listen to the cast albums of all of these versions. Totally. So that's that's fun. I actually just listened to the current revival Daniel Radcliffe version on Spotify this morning and learned. I don't remember this because I didn't know her beforehand, nor do I know her now. But your neighbor is the Megan Mullally part. Rosemary Hemingway. Hey. Mark Fisher Fitness. Before she was on Mama. <laughs> I was like, how do I know that name? Oh, get it. Okay. Tammy Blanchard was also in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, who else? Oh, Mary Faber. She was in Avenue Q. Yes. She's yes. great. I saw her in Avenue Q. It's a big chorus heavy. in this movie. I'm excited. Rudy Valley. I, I was going to say, I think you're going to like this show just because it's a workplace comedy. Not unlike Superstore or Kinky Boots or Promises, Promises. You know, it's a lot of like chorus people workers secretaries kind of like like superstore or kinky boots (laughs) you know everyone's singing in unison you know it's it's that kind of thing it's it's a 60s movie musical i love that feel yes yeah so it's easy to understand there's um it's musical comedy it's, it's musical comedy also the the creative team for Guys and Dolls is the same for this. We just watched Guys and Dolls, believe it or not. Another like we're in quarantine. Yeah. John and I are like let's do something crazy. Let's watch Guys and Dolls. Wow, you're live. 
you're alive. Well, listen. But yeah, it's got that flavor. When in like the real world, do we have time to sit down and watch Guys and Dolls on HBO Max? This irresistible Paris original. I can't sing while you're singing delayed. But yeah, it's a rags to riches story. We really want to cheer on J. Pierpont Finch. Can't wait. It, it's really, he's, wait. Char- he's charismatic. He's nerdy. He's, I don't know. You just really enjoy watching him try to make it. And fall in love on the way. Oh. Well, sign me up. I might actually watch that original film as well. Oh, and it's with original staging. The film has original staging, so that's cool. I'll get the Fosse realness. Sweet! Oh, another fun fact is that... So this is a 1961 musical by Frank Lesser, and the book is by Abe Burroughs, Jack Weinstock, and Willie Gilbert, based on Shepard Mead's 1952 book of the same name. Okay, Fine. When I said book by Abe Burroughs, guess whose son... Wait. Guess. Guess whose dad is Abe Burroughs? The director of All the Will and Graces. Yes. So his son is Jimmy Burroughs, James Burroughs. Thank you. And he directed All of the Will and Graces. This is Stephen. This is my this is my before I've seen how to succeed in business without really trying voice. And next time you hear me, I will have seen how to succeed in business without really next trying. Next time you hear us, we'll be post how to succeed in business without really trying. This is how to create a podcast without really trying. Yep. This is how to create a transition into <laughs> our advertisements. Without really trying. Uh, and seeing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Dana. And we're back. Broadway Blind Spot time. Uh, thank you for joining us for yet another round of Broadway Blind Spot. The first one yes, was... Yes, How many of you did the homework? How many of you yeah. did the assignment? The first one was Sweeney Todd, where uh, we discussed Sweeney Todd. I had not seen it, and Stephen had. And then I went and watched the original version on Amazon Prime starring Angela Lansbury. Guess what? This episode is... How to succeed in business without really trying, as we have just. This is part two, so you you already know that. Yes, yes, you've heard like that as much as we don't know about it. Um, 
<laughs> and we went and watched the film. This was in my blind spot. I've never seen a production. I'd never uh, seen the film. I just, I, I don't know it. And now I do. I saw the movie. Okay, I took some notes. Yeah, so I watched the movie too. I had never seen the movie. I think it was from 1967. Am I, am I wrong? That seems about right. No, I think that's right. But you have seen the show. I've you seen just know the, the show really well. You've <laughs> no. seen it. No, I've seen the show twice. Once with Daniel Radcliffe, and the second time I think I saw it with Nick Jonas on Broadway, right. and John Lorquette, I think was in it both times. Duh. I mean, hello. I was a huge fan of Night Court growing up. Huge. Irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. Anyway, I've um, seen it twice, so there. It's not like I know the, the show really well, but I've at least seen it. The most fun fact that I uh, was able to come up with was right out of the opening <laughs> credits. Would you believe it? I would. Hit me. Get this. So I'm watching, and we're getting the credits, and it's all vintage and shit. Yeah. And we're watching, and it says, color design, Mary Blair. Mary Blair is the fucking colorist for all those brilliant Disney movies in the 50s. She did Cinderella. She did Alice in Wonderland. She did the fucking It's a Small World ride. Like, she was an original Imagineer. Um, Well, no, she wasn't an Imagineer because she didn't do the rides. She did the films. But she was like OG Disney. Stephen, how do you how do you know her name? Is this just from growing she's up? She's such a brilliant artist. No, I need to know you, where you know her from. Like, is it just you as a kid always seeing the title Mary Blair, or is it because you watched? Uh, no, it was later. It was later in life for sure. I love Alice in Wonderland. I love the book especially, but like I love Disney's version. I love I love Ooh. the Alice tale. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. So I guess as I got older and like wanted to dive deep into my Alice shit, probably in middle school, I like read through those opening credits of Disney's Alice in Wonderland. It was, and I, cause I've always noticed the colors. I'm like this stuff fucking purple and pink cat. I want that. Yeah. So I'm like, who's in charge of these fucking colors? It's Mary Blair. So I look up Mary Blair. Oh, she did Cinderella too. All those fucking bubbles where she's singing in harmony with herself. Yeah. It's like that is iconic animation to me. Of course Stephen, it's Mary Blair. Do you remember going through things with a fine tooth comb? I do. I have I remember going to the library. I sat there with the remote and you would like hit play and then you'd pause on the title card and you'd read everything and then you'd hit play again and it would go to the next title card. Yeah. And you had to read. There was no like online. Let me just look it up. Here's a here's a full list of the credits in PDF format. Can this be a Mary Blair appreciation episode? Because I feel like my, she my would every be day of dead. my life is a Mary Blair appreciation <laughs> episode. She would be dead if she knew that two elder millennials are talking about her with such vivre on a podcast. I'll send you, there's an Instagram that just posts like her concept art and just shares her shit. Um, yeah. I don't know, know no the... frills, no commentary, no LOLs. Just like, here's what it is, yeah. here's the medium, and here's the year, and enjoy. I I don't think the listeners know this, but you are very much a color person. 
Oh, we love colors. You love colors. You're colors very much the Pantone. I've been to like, a colorist. Numbers. Yeah, you've been to a colorist. Katie Finneran sent me to a colorist who taught me that I was a true winter. So now when I shop for clothes, I know my palette. Anyway, we're not even past the opening credits. The the pink pantherness of it all, you know, like the the actual color of the city behind a huge yellow font. Gorgeous. Yeah. Love it already. Yeah. Plus the Nelson Riddle Orchestra, plus the original like choreography by Bob Fosse. I mean, you're getting like hits. Which interesting story. Already. So okay, jo- we were looking at this too because the the choreography credit was weird. It was like right. Um, yes. What did yes. it say? Based on original choreography, but Bob by Bob Fosse. But yes, Bob Fosse was like not a part of this film, and also. And also, originally, they had hired, like, a not-known choreographer um, at that time, whose name I didn't write down and I'm currently regretting. <laughs> um, so he had hired him, and then I guess, I don't know if there were issues, I don't know if they just needed help and time, I don't know. I don't know, but Bob Fosse was brought in. But he didn't want to take the credit away from this new guy. Wow. So that's how they arranged that. I said it was probably the nicest thing Fosse ever did. Wow. That is worth mentioning for sure. Um, I don't know where John read that. (laughs) Really uh, quality journalism here (laughs) with that story. But Uh, um, it's what what I have to, to contribute at this time. I mean, just as a broad statement, the coloring, the costumes, the vibrancy of this film, if you Mary if Blair. you if you are attracted to that kind of thing, big 60s colorings, you know, there isn't a pattern in sight. The women are wearing solid mm-hmm. colors head to toe, hat to glove, shoes are all pink, the dress is pink, the hat is pink, it's lime green, yeah. yellows, blues, jade greens you know it's very it's very appealing to the eye super fun i was thinking you know because watching any movie of that time especially one that is um who has a genesis of a theater piece was theater before it was a movie like right right playing fields were so much more level because even in film you had to make it happen sure you had the camera to help you do that and editing to help you do that but you couldn't CGI your way through it, just like on stage. You had to actually do what you were showing the audience, which you don't have to do anymore. And they used some actors from the Broadway show. Michelle Lee made her mm-hmm. film debut after having originated okay. the role. And they cut half her material. I know. How gorgeous is she? I, I realized this more and more as the film went on and is one of my gripes with it, mm-hmm. um, is that really... It cut any character that wasn't him. It really focused tight on him and everyone else was dressing. And that was a shame because I went back and I looked at the recordings. I'm like, there are more songs. Rosemary has more to do. Michelle Lee just knew everything, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know so much more than everyone else in this Wouldn't film she gorge? as a character. Like she was so knowing and 
beautiful and fierce. Oh my god. I loved her singing I Believe in You. Yeah. Man, but I would have given anything to listen to her sing Paris Original. Stephen, how much did you love the primping ballet when they were all at their desk? You've literally tapped this <laughs> this whole episode. You have tapped every one of my notes and in the order in which I wrote them. Yes, it is shocking that my notes are in order of the film. The primping ballet was divine. It reminded me of you. 100%. Me coming to pick you up from work before going to Joe's Pub. <laughs> Teasing my hair, doing my winged eyes. Hanging out in the bathroom. Absolutely. Spritzing right and spraying. Right at your desk, baby wiping. Oh my God. I just loved how glamorous it was. It was so like, it's kind of a mockery of... We've both been in secretarial pools. <laughs> a mockery of secretaries. And I think there was a wink there for sure. I think a little bit. I think they called out... Workplace inequality pretty on the fucking nose. Feminist. And I think the farce of the whole thing, that the whole thing is such a satire. Absolutely. So fun. And that they're just like, yeah, this is the horrible thing that's happening. Okay, but let's help you do it really well. (laughs) You know? Satire is the perfect word. The producers of it all, they're like, this is a horrible plan. Let's Mm -hmm. commit to it really hard. It's gonna work until it doesn't. May I say something very quickly? You absolutely can. About one of my favorite characters in the film was Bud Frump. You, like I said, you've touched on all of my notes. <laughs> what a scamp of a character. So fun. Oh my God. Big toothy grin. Acting with his teeth. Acting with his teeth. He plays the uh, the mucky, muckety mucks nephew. Mm-hmm. And I teeth think first. I think that would have purse first, no teeth first, babe. This guy comes in teeth first. He is providing some stellar physical comedy, and <laughs> he adds such a level of goofiness. Stephen, I think we have the f- same favorite character. Um, obviously uh, the Lilius White. Yes, um, I knew it. What JB's uh, uh, secretary? Uh, Miss Jones. Yeah, her name is Mrs. Miss Jones. Mrs. Jones? I don't Miss know. Miss Jones. And she's right. such a B. Arthur of a character. Just very like, oh, all right. She's six and a half feet tall. <laughs> and so are her feet. Mr. Bigley. Mr. Bigley will be right with you. All right. What do you want? There are so many fun bits in the film, at least, and, and the show. Such as Mr. Bigley, at one point, is told that his wife is on the phone by Mrs. Jones and he says you know that talking mm-hmm. to my wife upsets me and then he asks for he goes where's my you know and you think he's gonna bring out some like bourbon or some kind of scandalous playboy or yeah. something and he takes out his <laughs> knitting and starts knitting um excuse me that's hilarious and so 60s it, it was so tender you know that kind of like non-threatening joke where you can infer that he probably was going to ask for something else, but no, it's knitting. The, the head honcho likes to knit but, for his anxiety. Um, I, I can really see how having an audience boosts that show. <laughs> boosts, absolutely. And I can also see how um, giving each character more to do uh, yeah, also it's, 
lifts that show. It's a really full stage. Because as the audience, no matter who's on stage, there's like a side plot happening. There's... There are a lot of characters. You know. Lots for the chorus to do. I mean, it's an office full of people really milling about, going in and out of doors and secretaries and men in suits and uh, window washers and the whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a full company, babe. Right. Full company. Yeah. And as you hold that um, rosy plush, uh, just this morning I watched the um, the opening number from the Tonys, the 54th annual, when Ooh. Megan Mullally sang part of Paris Original. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of the opening, they were highlighting Broadway vets who had like turned Hollywood. <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> Yes, I'm ro- holding my Rosie O'Donnell so yeah, doll. It was, it was she, it was uh, Jesse L. Martin, and it was Jane Krakowski. Wow. And Rosie's hosting, and they had like a whole choir in the back. It was fab. Remember Rosie hosting the Tonys? I remember watching that. I remember it. I want Rosie to host again. Come back. All right, so this is a violent tangent, but didn't Mr. Bigley kind of look like Prue from The Great British Baking Show? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're twins. No, but real talk. I fully fell in love with Michelle Lee. I did too. Yeah, and I, here's what I wrote. I wrote, Michelle fills every second with intention, always listening, always reacting. Always listening. She is always giving you something there's no blank stare there is pure engagement so i ask again why did they cut so much of her part i don't know i mean it's a film so it clocks in at two hours uh what is your feedback on finch the main guy robert uh yeah yeah robert morse robert moore robert morse morse right um Oh, so great, so charming. Right. I love his little gap. Yep. His little front tooth gap. As a fellow front tooth gapper. <laughs> Whatever. Nailed it. So if you don't know the story, it's it's about J. Pierpont Finch, who is a window washer, and he's reading a book called How to Succeed in Business. And he kind of breaks into this company and charms the pants off of people starting in the mail room and eventually becomes like VP and And he does it (laughs) it's really a short amount of time and it's it's really uh funny to watch him it's kind of working girl (gasps) you know we've had so many workplace comedies how dare you with that reference kind of like this right I'm nobody but I'm gonna make it to the top and I'm not gonna wait 15 (laughs) years to do it She's gonna make it after all. It was all too easy for him. I mean, he was a white man. So... So in the role of Finch, couldn't you see yeah. a Nick Jonas, a Daniel Radcliffe, uh, especially Matthew yes. Roderick? Yes, yes. But if you look at now, like, the sequence of, you know, production contract <laughs> uh, Finches... Yeah. <laughs> They just keep getting hotter. So what happened to the character man? Like, where did all the uggos no, I go? Think, no, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying character men are ugly by any means. I'm saying, um, you know, interesting to look at. Oh, 
okay, okay, yes, 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 I hear you. Um, uh, so Daniel Radcliffe, I feel, you can dress him up, you can dress him down. I don't think that he's, like, super hot, but I do see what you're saying. Like, I think out of all of them, Daniel Radcliffe is the most I just think kind the, of character Yeah, like, the lack of characterness. Those Like, leading men. They've, they've established themselves as leading man and yes it is a leading man but it's a it's a character man still mm-hmm. no i see i see so who would you cast you can only be so funny when you're that good looking <laughs> <laughs> the physical comedy won't land the same if you're not funny uh-huh. if you're not character if you don't have something to play with if everything's perfect you're like Get it together. Sing out, Louise. This was also a recent discussion in the media um, surrounding the revival of Little Shop when they announced a replacement. I think it was Jeremy Jordan. Mm -hmm. And people were, you know, nothing against Jeremy or his abilities or his performance or whatever. Sure, of course not. It's just that, like, time out. We're talking about Seymour. Y'all, we feel very strongly about our character actors and actresses. We must protect them. At all costs. Guys, in the room is a safe haven for character performers. <laughs> this is a safe space. If you're weird, if you look funny, come hang with us. I really don't mean to shit on any like past Finch's performance. I just, let's pay attention to like character parts versus Prince Charming parts. Justice for character actors. That's all we're saying. Justice. If you're going to cast a new movie musical remake. A new movie musical. Yes. Who would you cast? Inquiring minds. How old is Finch supposed to be? I can't. That's a good question. I mean, 20s. I think the actual number he says is 27. Supposed to be. Yeah. Gideon Glick. (gasps) That is a perfect. And I think he could do it on stage or in film. Yes. I think that is a perfect casting. And we are huge Gideon Glick fans in this podcast room. Yeah, and Gideon's done some movies. Shout out Ocean's 8. (laughs) He had a little scene with Rihanna. I believe my first introduction to Gideon Glick was with you, Stephen. It was off-Broadway, and he was starring in Significant Other, and we were utterly moved. Utterly moved. That was great. Significant Other was... So, so great. I hope everyone got a chance to see it. And if you didn't, I hope it's revived. (laughs) Or you can in some form. Dana brought me roses when we went to see that. What? Wait, why? I can't remember. Yeah. Because Bedbury was participating in the post-show dating game. (gasps) I was selected as a contestant. Oh my gosh. Wait, that's actually a highlight of my life, and I kind of forgot that that happened. Listen, Barbara fucking Barry was auctioning me off. I was, get into it. That was so fun. Wait, I have footage of that. Maybe we should post that on the Instagram account. I'm going to hit you with a fun fact. Dick Van Dyke was considered for the role of Finch, but he turned it down due to concerns that he was too old for the role. He would have been 
perfect. I mean, know thyself, he's right. He was too old. I mean, talk about a character actor. And also, had he done it, we would have all forgiven him because they would have cast the whole thing a little older. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he would have been great. But he's that perfect example of a character actor who also was a leading man. Leading man, Dick Van Dyke. Brilliant. What else did I really, really love? Um, again, the costumes. I thought they were great mm-hmm. costumes. The whole style of the film needs a shout out. The style. Whether or not you like the the story, I mean. It may, you know what the movie did? Like The more I watched it, the more I realized was missing, and the more I realized hmm. this was just a portion of the story. Um, it made me really want to see it on stage. It made me really want to catch it next time. It's anywhere nearby. I wrote a friend who was on the tour and they said, and I think I having now seen it, I can align myself with it. Um, (laughs) quote, I find the movie a bit boring. Whereas the show is pretty effervescent as satire. Uh, one of those few musicals to have the Pulitzer Prize alongside South Pacific, Chorus Line, and Rent, for example. Wow. Um, and they pointed out that how rare that is for satire, for a satire to get the Pulitzer. So that sells, says something. Um, I think it's tough to feel how funny it is without an audience. The movie feels a bit dry. That is true. I can see how that... Is a thing. I mean, the energy that is given off stage and is reciprocated from the audience. And that's interesting what you said about the satire. It it absolutely winks at the audience. The audience is in on the satire, man. Sure. And I think that's why it's still being done. They were just doing it up at Westchester Broadway Theater when the pandemic hit. I think they had done their um, maybe an invited dress or just a dress rehearsal oh, before... Corona shut everything down a year ago. But I think that's why the show can still be done, because it does wink. Yeah, and you can always change up your tone in order to, I don't know, bring it to present day. You know? Totally. Yeah. It's it's controlled winking. <laughs> How hard are you going to hit the satire? That can, that's so always I, I do flux. think, well, it can still be, you know, set in the 60s. It can still be a period piece, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be offensive or dated it can still be done for sure i like the first half better than the second and i think that's because they cut so much yeah that by the second half we're like i need another thing i need another thing happening for me to keep my eye on and i mean it's a film so maybe they had to cut things for time like i would have loved i would have loved to hear paris original but does it move the story forward who knows Babe, what is all the racket? The heat. Oh my god, the tapping. Listeners, I'm so sorry. It's better than what was happening 20 minutes before this call. (laughs) Well, listen. Listen to that. It's like freaking Bojangles. Save Young Glover. Podcasting from home's a bit. All right, all right. We're women of the 90s. What is your final take on How to Succeed? Listen, I would... I would say watch it. If you're not familiar with the show, if you're not going to sit there and nitpick, like, oh, this is different. Oh, they cut this. Mm, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> if you can just watch it to enjoy it, it's fun. It's really fun to 
revisit those like 50s and 60s movie musicals. Yeah, it did not feel like homework. The way they're shot, the way that they did that, just what that formula looked like then by by Birdie is of that same ilk. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Nelson Riddle Orchestra. If you're not familiar with them, they did a, an album of with Linda Ronstadt. Super cool. Yeah, it is super cool. <laughs> I, I just really dig that vibe and that just Nelson Riddle sound in general. Great score. Great yeah. score. And a lot of the music that they cut, they did, you know, incorporate into the scoring, like Paris original, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's an if you know, you know. <laughs> they, they gave you a little something, something, if you know. Sure. Stephen, darling, what's coming up next for us in our Broadway blind spot? Yes, join us in April for... Pippin. Steven, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of digging this forcibly doing homework and forcibly educating ourselves on things that we didn't know. So, But hopefully we've inspired you to, you know, sit down one night and turn on something different. And on that note, <laughs> bye. Bye. In the Room with Stephen and Dana is produced by Stephen Farizee and Dana Craig. Special thanks to Joel Wagoner for tinkling the ivories on our theme song. Hit him up at joelwagoner.com. We apologize and you're welcome. We'd also like to thank Jesse Weiner, W-I-E-N-E-R, for our jazzy original music sprinkled throughout each episode. You can find him at jessewiener.com. Last but certainly not least, we'd like to thank Kevin Thomas Garcia for taking all of our ridiculous photos. You can find him online at ktgnyc.com. We are all over the internet on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at InTheRoomPod. Follow us, like us, share us, pimp us out. And don't forget to subscribe to In The Room Podcast. We everywhere, so subscribe. And thank you so much for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.